ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals All right, we're here with Andy Chan all the way. Let me get this right from Hong Kong, correct? Correct. Hello, wow. everyone. Thanks for having me on the show. Yes, yes. Happy to have you here, Andy. I read your book. Thank you for sending it to me. And uh, I was intrigued by it, man. It's just it's different than what is mostly out there with fitness and wellness. So let's get just jump into like the origin of your story in fitness and wellness. Yeah, well, these days, if you go on the internet, there's a plethora of fitness information out there, right? If you just search anything you want in regards to health and fitness, the amount of information out there really is hindering people's desire to start. And so I always tell people my job as, as a coach, as a strength and conditioning coach, as an educator, as, as now an author, is to help people digest and unpack all this information so that no one has to implement practices that actually hinders the performance, but actually do things that maximizes their potential and that can actually get them closer to that optimum health and performance. Um, so that's, that's what I do. I do personal training. I do group training. I now do webinars and I do corporate workshops and, and pretty much everything that a, a fitness professional would do. Yeah, we sound very similar uh, with that. But I'm curious about what really stuck to me was this combination of kind of East and West philosophies when it comes to exercise. How did this come to be for you? How did you start really diving into this? Yeah, uh, well... I will go at it from kind of kind of two perspectives. One is kind of my why. And, and a lot of times as a fitness instructor, we know, Dr. Parker, you know that this is a competitive space. Yes. And the barrier to entry ultimately, you know, to be honest, it is quite low. And, sure. and so a lot, a lot of us have to think about how do we differentiate ourselves? And, and ultimately for me, I've always learned and from my years of experience, I, I know that if I just start from having the clients of mine and if i just be other people focus and and if i just don't be self-centered too much i know that will bring me a lot of success so what that means is i have to think about okay so what can i contribute to the industry and what can i contribute to the world and if, if i have something to offer to the world then in return i'm gonna get opportunities and then so i look back to my my life and my strengths and and my background and as someone who is in hong kong i grew up and i was born in hong kong i actually spent 10 years in the u.s studying so i, I uh, middle school high school college and then and i figured well actually why don't i use that to my advantage i can share my perspectives when it comes to these two cultures because if you look at different cultures they, they play they play a big role in health and fitness and in the, in the practices and in the routines that we do so uh a few years back i i had this planted in me that okay i should probably stick to what what i'm good at instead of pretending to be someone that i'm, I'm not which is a lot of the cases on social media these days <laughs> so that's kind of that so that's kind of the why and and but in practicality the idea of writing a book came to mind in 2018 or 17 when I was still in my master's doing exercise science. And as part of the degree, we had to do a statistics course so that we can learn to interpret research and to read data, et cetera. And as part of the course, we, we get to do a project where we can just research about whatever topic we were interested in. A meaning we were looking into the research paper, not, not in the lab. So for me at the time, after seeing Michael Phelps with his cupping marks uh, on, on his back, so in, in the Olympics, he was seen with these purple dots on his back. And, and the fitness community blew up. You know, they were intrigued by, whoa, so what exactly are those dots? And, and I figured, oh, hey, actually, this is where I can come into play because <laughs> cupping originated from Chinese medicine. And I grew up in Hong Kong. So why don't I look into the efficacy of cupping? And then I, 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 looked on, I looked into the research and I found that there were two perspectives. One, it was mainly coming from the Western human movement science, which looked into the effects of cupping on soft tissue, on the muscles, on the fascia. And then there was a second perspective, which is the Chinese medicine perspective. 
And this was where things got weird. I mean, for lack of a better word, because now I look back to my time in the US, Chinese medicine, usually it's deemed as alternative, it's deemed as mystical. People are misinformed because no one has an idea or no one has a clue what <laughs> exactly is Chinese medicine. So that, that, that's when I, I figured, okay, you know, we're going to get this project started. There isn't a book out there that, it, that looks at the intersection between Chinese medicine and fitness and strength and conditioning, really. And so that's uh, how, how I started. And I, I started studying Chinese medicine. I collaborated with, it, uh, with a physician. I mean, it, it is really fascinating. I think what hit me is I'm like, okay, I haven't seen this before. And I've been in this business like 22 years. I'm like, this is different. And I love this approach because I feel like it's intuitively how I feel about things, but it's sometimes hard to explain when you talk about flow and energy and the book spoke to that, but in a very tangible way with Chinese medicine. So how do you feel like that has been received in today's fitness culture? Are you seeing other people starting how do, how do you view it? Like people talk about mobility and stability and flow, but how does that, how do you sense that in your mind versus what's being put out there about it? Yeah, well, I, I can tell you the truth. Sometimes, you know, lately I've had many opportunities to do corporate workshops and, yeah. and, and when we work with big corporations, we have to write a proposal on, on the workshop topics or, or, what, or, the, or the topics that I'm going to cover. And one of the most common feedback is, wait, that's it. And, and here's why, <laughs> you know, nature is simple and subtle, or I should say subtle yet simple. And, and a lot of times, a lot of the things I share are actually not that fancy because the problem with the fitness industry these days is when we're talking about mobility, stability, and flow, you go online and people are doing all these crazy flashy stuff just to get more <laughs> likes. But really, if, if, if we just stick to the fundamental principles, such as breathing, you know, it has a profound impact on our mental health. And, and we know that our mental health will have a profound impact on the food we eat and, and uh, the rigidity or the fluidity of my body. And and so the simple act of just taking deep breaths, you can solve a lot of problems. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, people are not happy with that because they, they, mm. want, they want the magic bullet. And, and so I would say my view on the current fitness industry is we all know that the stuff that I'm saying, that we're saying makes sense, but we somehow want something more just so that we can brag about what we've done. And, and, and effectively, unfortunately, sometimes the fitness industry, it's so competitive that the people in it are competitive. And, and so they, 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 they're competing with each other who's got more flashy stuff. So what, what are the misconceptions that people have about Chinese medicine? You talked a little bit about uh, people, kind of the mysticism of people, their mindset of what they think it is. What are some things you've heard when you talk about this that people go, oh, I don't know about this? Like, what's the misconceptions? Sure. I would say the big thing is it, it revolves around, around surrounding energy because mm. you know, when, whenever you bring the, the word energy out, and all of a sudden it gets a bit alternative. Like, <laughs> what do you mean energy? But, you know, I tell you today in Hong Kong, it's gloomy outside. And when I was in the U.S. in, in the winter, I was in Massachusetts in, in middle school. And sometimes I wake up, the snow will be as high as where the window is. And, yeah. and I bet you the energy that I get there will be different than a summer hot day in Cancun, for example, when I'm yeah. sitting next to the beach. So, uh, so that's what I would usually tell people. Energy is, it's a real thing, but I think the way that it's presented, for example, I, one of the problems I have sometimes with some uh, Chinese medicine practitioners, when you listen to podcasts, you know, they'll go in and they're sure of these testimonies where they're like, oh, you know, I went in and I was depressed and I came out and I, I, I got this high from acupuncture and, and <laughs> so that's, that's where I, I try to stay away from because I, we, we do want to be somewhat scientific about it. Mm. And, and so I would say energy is a big misconception. And then the other misconception are the terms, right? So we've heard chi, blood, yin, yang, yeah. development. Um, so in diamond balance, we, we try to bring the cultural aspect. And so if I can elaborate, you, if you think about the word chi, people would just think, oh, it's energy, but it's fake because you can't see it. Here's what people didn't explain. In every Chinese medicine concept, there are two aspects to it. One is the functional aspect, and then two is the philosophical aspect. So if we think of the word qi, uh, functionally, it just means energy. 
so in 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 the states or in in the in the modern scientific world, we have things like ATP, blood sugar. We have all these terminologies to explain energy. Yeah, that's because there are fancy laboratory equipment that lets <laughs> us ex- examine. Back then, they didn't have it, so functionally, they just said, "Okay, we're going to use this word chi for energy." But now, every single term in Chinese medicine also has a philosophical connotation to it. So chi. You know, you're talking about something that you cannot see because it's an energy that sustains every life form. And and so uh, whenever we go through the cultural aspect of it, people are more clear because they realize it is also a philosophical concept just as much as it is a functional concept. Is the functional concept, oh, sorry, the philosophical concept, is that a point where people have a hard time getting on board with it because they see it as maybe something that is not as scientific and they say, oh, well, this is a kind of a cultural philosophy versus a scientific philosophy. Yep, and, and you're absolutely right because this is where culture comes in because I, I think from my US education, I also do not accept ambiguity. You know, I hated it because we, yeah. we, we have this binary bias that we just want things to be either zero or one. And so I, I think that's kind of what it is because even when I was writing this book, I collaborated with a Chinese medicine practitioner with a... Uh, with a PhD in Chinese medicine. And all the time, I just want her to tell me, so what is it? Because, you know, in exercise science, things are pretty black and white, you know, what the body does. And and the, the situations might be different, uh, you know, the, the solutions that we offer. But yeah. for the most part, whatever we learned was, was quite black and white. Uh, but that's definitely not the case. And it is because of the philosophical part. You're right. Yeah, I think that's, it's sometimes a hurdle for people because we want it to be, what's the science behind this? And then you think about, well, are you going to teach me something that's going to feel more like spirituality versus the science of fitness? And see, for me, I feel like these things are intertwined always, that there is, there is a place for this, this, the culture of, the, um, of kind of this ancient medicine for that. But some people reject that because they feel like you start wading into an area that makes them uncomfortable on some level. Have you experienced that with people? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think people are, I, I mean, think a part of it is because of the spirituality. I mean, there are some weird people out there, but I mean, I, I agree. <laughs> no offense. Hopefully I didn't offend any <laughs> listeners. I, There's plenty of weird listen. people out there. Come yeah, on, yeah, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I'm weird in, in the weird people's yeah, minds anyway. So yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so I, I would say uh, because you're right. I mean, it's intertwined. And a lot of times I, I ask people, you know, are you a machine or not? If you're a machine, mm. then sure, you can do all the calories and, and you know, calories that is great. I mean, I, I use it, but then it, yeah. we should not limit ourselves to only calories in calories out right. because different foods does elicit a different response. I mean, just think, you know, you get a different body response from eating chicken versus seafood. And, right. and that, that there already, it's a different, you can't tell me that it's the same. It's not the same, you know, you yeah. feel different. And, and so, yeah, I, I agree. People are, might be scared of the spirituality aspect of it, but I would say it's not so much the case in Hong Kong currently when I work with people, because most people kind of have a basic understanding of the yeah. technologies in it. So I, I don't get as much, it, but it's when I go on these podcasts and when I share different hosts that they they ask, okay, so let's say if you're talking to Americans you know, who are skeptical, are they afraid that yeah. this is some spirituality stuff? And, and then, But usually by the end of the conversation, they'll be fine. Which is funny, though, because so many Americans do yoga, which is has a huge spiritual base and is actually yoga is actually a lifestyle, not a class. <laughs> you know, it's like and a lot of Americans take a lot of stuff from other countries and then incorporate it into some fitness aspect of it, but yeah, don't really yeah, understand I mean, the cultural aspect to it. You know, yeah, it's like who can I who can do a handstand first and who can yeah. bend their back who can break the back. Who can- <laughs> these crazy stuff but yoga started out as breath work i mean in, if you go to these ancient yoga practices in india they, they talk a lot about the breath because it all circles back to how we're regulating our breath in order to manage our emotions which you know it impacts everything else on the body so i'm curious like you know obviously i one of the things i love being educated about things that i don't know about i don't know anything really about hong kong and so how is what is the fitness scene uh, or health and wellness in general, like in Hong Kong in its current state, and how is it different from when you were growing up in that part of the world? 
Yeah, when I was growing up, I, I assume well because Hong Kong it is quite an advanced city. So right, uh, because it it used to be a former British colony, so we opened up a lot earlier than the rest of China, and, and therefore the city as a whole is quite westernized. For example, uh, for work on a re- working basis, ninety percent of my clients are English speaking. So I, I I deliver my sessions in in English, which speaks to the hmm. kind of the diversity uh, that we have in our city. And but even then, like most other fitness places in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, bodybuilding was the only way of working out. And and、uh, thankfully, that has changed thanks to you know the different <laughs> mobility works and different、uh, strength and conditioning companies that has come to Hong Kong. So people are a bit more accepting. But I'll say a lot of people are still trapped in that bodybuilding is is the only way to go because I've got lots of friends that will come in and and they'll ask, oh yeah.、Uh, How much do you branch, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Or how much do you squat? And 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 I say I, I usually have to explain things in a concise way. That's kind of not really how I go about things because I, I always believe that it's, it's things outside the gym that we do that determines our results inside the gym and even within the gym. Yes, sure, we'll do the big three, which is you know the the deadlift, the squat, and the bench press. Yeah, but. We must do some other variety.、Uh, we must incorporate other movements as well to add some variety to it.、Uh, but usually, especially those who are trained by a bodybuilder, will just think that this is nonsense because to them, it's it's still the physique that matters, not、mm. the overall health and wellness. Do you see that changing in Hong Kong? As I mean, as such an advanced place, do you see the mindset of that changing over time? I think so, and 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 certainly, if you look at elite athletes, I mean, just look at NBA athletes; they're certainly、yeah. less bulky nowadays, and 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 they they see that you don't have to be super bulky to be considered strong, because we know that power and strength and physique are are different different topics, and and they're not necessarily correlated to each other. Well, but so I, I think people are definitely more accepting of different、uh, philosophies, but. Still, I would say majority of the people are still stuck in that bodybuilding mindset. It's crazy to me, actually. <laughs> I feel like really, is, I just feel like it's crazy, like to be stuck in that mindset. It's like it's a very limited mindset to be in. It's like being closed-minded about something, you know, and not exploring other aspects of things. Like when I see, I don't know, I'd be curious to see how you view the human body. Like, how are your thoughts? I see the body as something that moves. In so many different planes, but is on the ground, is standing, is moving laterally, is moving, you know, in transverse plane, just all over the place. That it's, it, it, it it's almost like water in many ways. It's it can be di- different forms and different places. Beautiful, if you use it in many different forms. But we always tend to limit it. I feel like to like these very limited forms, like just like bodybuilding, you know. Yeah, I beautifully said. I mean, there's nothing worse than you. No offense to all bodybuilders. I mean, they they put a lot of hard work. I always have to have a disclaimer out there. But <laughs> I, I believe that there's nothing more limiting to.、Uh, <laughs> there's nothing more limiting to you being on a machine for hours a day, yeah. When when you just soullessly working out, right? Yeah. And, yeah. The only the only positive sometimes I tell people is that the one lesson that you can learn from bodybuilding is. That usually, let's say, if you're just doing bodybuilding, you will find that those who are entering competition, even if it's just an amateur competition, to be much more hardworking because human minds are always functionally based. So we will we'll only put in the hard work when there's a function in hand because we don't、mm-hmm. see the urgency in in, in the matter that we're not going to change <laughs> our lifestyle, right? So even if you're doing bodybuilding, you know, enroll in a contest or something, so that there's a point of you being there, or else you're gonna find you're gonna have trouble finding motivation to. Workout. What are your thoughts about? Well, one, let me take this back. What's the current state of fitness and wellness in Hong Kong? Do you, is there an issue with obesity,、um, overweight,、uh, chronic disease in Hong Kong, and how does that mirror the United States? Because you've had both experiences. Yeah, I mean, in Hong Kong, so. In Hong Kong, I wear size medium, and I'm considered like an, an average athletically built、uh, person in Hong <laughs> Kong. When I'm in the U.S., I'm like this scrawny kid who's been starved for it for weeks, and 
<laughs> and uh, and so I would say OBC is nowhere near as near as bad. And most people can sit up and stand up from a chair. Yeah. And I say this, some people might think it's funny, but it's not. I, I would say, no, people in Hong Kong will find this statement funny. What do you mean stand up and like sit down and yeah. stand up from a chair? You know, if you have been to the US, you know a lot of people struggle yes. just getting off their couches, and and a lot of people can squat down, all right. Uh, but I would say the the biggest problems in Hong Kong are mental health issues, so overall wellness mm. issues, because um, it is quite congested here, and the political climate isn't great at all in in Hong Kong, just because we're, we're trapped between you know, uh, the the east and west uh, political systems, and and. Most people are office workers, so a lot of people with lower back pain, neck stiffness. So it's more modernization problems than obesity, uh, because the obesity is not there because our diet is just different. Uh, there's more right. variety, yeah, there's more variety, and there's less processed foods overall. Uh, although there's still a lot, like anywhere else, but it's just not as much, and the portion is not as huge in as it is in the U.S. <laughs> That has to, that's, you know, I was, I grew up all over the world uh, myself because uh, I was in a mil military family growing up Oh, and I was actually born in Germany. So, I mean, I've lived all over and uh, helped open some clubs in Malaysia one time. And that was like the wow. farthest I went. And I noticed such a huge difference, huge difference in lifestyle. But I also noticed this growing westernization. Hmm. Uh, in the area. So like when I was there, I was see like Papa John's and Johnny Rockets. I'm like, why is this here? <laughs> like, is that a thing in Hong Kong? I mean, I hope not, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, Burger King used to be here for a while. And no. They, yeah. And then they, they closed down because no one would come. And I think Wendy's <laughs> tried to expand here and, and, uh, and well, McDonald's do, but McDonald's, they, they do well everywhere. Uh, yeah. Good like Bulletproof, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, they're both. I mean, it doesn't matter where they go. And uh, yeah, I would say it, it's, well, I think it's funny that, so I was reading this book called Deep Nutrition. It's by a, a, a physician called Kate Shanahan, and, and mm -hmm. she explored kind of the ancient diet. And she, and I have some thoughts to it because, you know, sometimes when we go travel, one of the first things we do is to try the local cuisine. We, yes. Oh, show me the local cuisine. I would love to know the culture. And yet in the health and fitness world, Okay, we have to be honest, the leading certifications are from the US. So we're going to yeah. take the course, most courses that we take are, are often uh, founded in the US and therefore it is American based. And I just find it funny that, you know, everyone bashes on the American diet. Yeah. Yet that's kind of the benchmark of all these nutrition courses. <laughs> Meaning, right? If you do a nutrition, they'll say a portion of protein, a portion of, yeah. of, of uh, carbs, and then a portion of fat, and then add in some micronutrients. But if you look at the rest of the world, that's not really how people eat. No. Right? If, you go, if you're in Malaysia, they just serve you rice and then they serve you side that's dishes. Right. And it's communal and you just, you just share. And, and from that, how do you count the calories if it's just all on the table? Because it's not served individualized, right? If something right. is communal, then it's it's the, the system should be different. So all that to say, I, I think that if you are listening to this episode, just just know that you don't have to be so strict and you're not a robot. And if you just embrace the food and if you actually just cook some uh, cook some dishes using fresh materials, then actually they, they'll, they'll taste just as good as the <laughs> out there. Why do you think there's such an emphasis on the American food system and the popularity of thing of things in America all across the United all across the world? But that when it's very small portion of the population of the planet. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I still think I'm very so I'm very proud of my American education because I, I think it it taught me to be a critical thinker. It, it taught me to experiment. And I'm not afraid to try. I'm not afraid of failure because we, we all know that's, that's of kind course. of the American spirit where you just try. And if it doesn't work out, you, you learn your lesson, move on to the next thing. Yeah. And, and, and as such, you know, America has, has produced some of the greatest thinkers and, and some mind breaking technology, but you know, there's always a downside to it. And, and unfortunately, in the, in the US, we, we know the downside of the political system. And, yeah. and but when it comes to, you know, dieting, we, we know that because everything is so convenient, uh, you can just buy things and microwave it. We, we know yeah. that it's, it's hurting the entire society. So I would say that people know that America is the most powerful country in the world. And, and, and therefore, they, they just listen to every single thing that they say. <laughs> 
is so funny when you go to another country, especially like when I was in Malaysia and you got all these different cultures, Malay people, Chinese, Indian. I mean, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. And their ideas of America, because a lot of the folks that I met there had never been to America. So their idea of America was like CSI, like Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, I yeah. told because I was I lived in Las Vegas for a really long time. And they're yeah. like, well, Las Vegas, like CSI Las Vegas. I was dying when they were talking. To me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's funny what happens when you're not exposed to something. You know, in, in a way, it is sad. You know, when I first went to the U.S., my my classmates they asked me if there's hamburgers in Hong Kong, <laughs> and I was like, seriously, <laughs> seriously. Oh, I mean, really? Yeah, he, he was genuinely asking, like, you know, where yeah. you have? Do, do you guys have this in Hong Kong? Wow. I was like, wow, seriously. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's it's profound. Intriguing. It's just lack of exposure. It's like a lot of people. It's just like you have your mind is based off of like what has been put into it or where you've been. Like when I was growing up, I just had been so many places. It's hard to not to change when you see a lot of things from all over the place. You know, it's, that's really, to me, it's, it's very, and I think that's why some people don't want to change sometimes. Like don't give me all this information because then it may change me actually, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think some people are just really happy with where they're at, and and yeah. in a way, they're a bit ignorant, and they 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 just don't want they don't want to know because they they're afraid that their minds will be open. But if you go travel, all you have to do is take a vacation somewhere. It's true. And, and, and the more you see, you naturally will become wiser. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say I'm really wise. Get that just <laughs> saying that. But uh, once you once you see more cultures, you see the kind of the good sides and the downsides to different cultures and and maybe you can become the link just just like me you know these days i'm trying to be the the bridge between the eastern and the western culture i'm trying yeah. to you know make make the society better by informing others of different cultural aspects and yeah and maybe you can be that guide to your community because i always believe you know especially with the technology nowadays the fact that we can be connected through zoom we can do this podcast together even if you're you were like halfway around the world. Yeah. You know, why don't we examine different cultures and learn? Because ultimately we can benefit from it. And and unfortunately, sometimes even with Chinese medicine, I see in the US, the advocates of Chinese medicine, they're so into it that they just bash on the Western medicine. Where yeah. They bash on the conventional medicine. And I think that's that's terrible because yeah. then somehow it, it's like us versus them. And I have no idea why this has to be, because ultimately. I'm selfish. I want the best for myself. And if that's yeah. the case, why don't I experiment with different cultures and different philosophies? And at the end of the day, I can just pick what works for me. Yeah. Because I have a unique story. You have a unique story. Everyone yeah. has a unique story. And and why don't we try out different stuff instead of sticking to that one thing that we have been doing, which a lot of times has not been working. So just yeah. be yeah, be willing to try out different philosophies. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. It's so hard, especially here in America, is that we have this culture of individualism, although we, we want to be in community, though. And this is this weird push and pull we have right now is we crave community, but we want to be about us at the same time. Like, I want to do me type of thing. And so it's weird, these, uh, these extremist uh, corners we put ourselves in here. So I also wonder, like, what is that mindset in Hong Kong? Do people like swing really far to each side or is there more of a moderate mindset to different things? Uh, in general, I think people would, would be less selfish in a way. I mean, I can, I can, for example, let's, let's use a recent example of the mask mandate. I okay. Mean, in 2020, it's a big thing in the U S right. Why right. did wearing a mask is politicized i mean I, that's correct. my opinion i mean correct i, I think it's <laughs> yeah. politicized and yeah. and you why do you wear a mask or not depends on your political preference and in hong kong we would think that's absurd because it's a public health issue and <laughs> and, and so you're you're why do you believe it or not your decision should be based on why do you believe the mask the, the efficacy of the mask why did the mask yeah. is effective in preventing disease not your political system and yeah. And so in, in that way, I think people would respect kind of the community more in thinking of this yeah. as a public health issue. And, and I can, and another part is I can just use an example. So 
today, if I'm to teach a workshop for a background full of expats, so more foreigners, usually I have to be a really good presenter uh, because I have to get their attention, I have to win over their attention, I have to get, yeah. I have to have them buying in, which means I have to be dynamic in my presentation, I have to have good knowledge. On the other hand, whenever I'm teaching a course for locals, they just listen. I mean, they don't ask <laughs> questions. They, they, they stand there and whatever you say, sir, you're right. Yeah. Because uh, you are the sir, like as in you're the teacher. Yeah. So, uh, so that's a big, big difference in, in that people don't want to challenge leadership. They don't want to mm. challenge the authority. They don't want to challenge status quo because we're just taught to kind of sit there and listen and shut up and don't ask questions. So yeah. I'll say that's a big difference in, in terms of respecting um, senior figures. You know, what's interesting, I had a lady on, I think you would be fascinated by this episode. Her name is uh, Lei Wang, and she's the first Asian woman to complete the Grand Explorer Slam, which, you know, summit all seven of the highest peaks in the uh, continents, the continents and uh, do the North and South Pole. And she talked about growing up in China and how a lot of what you just said, like, don't question authority, um, that type of thing, and how when she uh, got to the United States, she had a really difficult time socially because she wasn't really, that wasn't really a thing, which was to create friendships, being overly social, putting yourself out there, questioning things. It was like a real struggle for her, but now that's what she teaches people is how to create a more social, more inviting lifestyle with people because there wasn't how she grew up for that. You never questioned anything, you know? Yeah, and, and just to piggyback on that point, sometimes, you know, as people like you, you know, we, we have kind of grew up all over the world. Yeah. And sometimes we, we we have trouble finding an identity. I mean, certainly sometimes. I, I, yeah. I, there'll be times when I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, so I'm not exactly Chinese. I'm not. Yeah. Right, certainly. And so where do I fit? But then, you know, you you after a while, you do realize that all these benefits, ultimately, it's enriching and enhancing yeah. because now we, we have a wider scope when it comes to life. Yeah. So it's, it's great that she's sharing her perspective. Cause I think yeah. certainly people can be, can have a little, can be better critical thinkers when it comes to issues and why do the authority are doing the right things. Well, it seems like also for you that you almost view fitness that way too, like as a much larger aspect. I mean, I look at the science behind it and it's very sim simple to me as a stimulus response recovery. And that stimulus could be a lot of different things. You know, what, what is the load? The load could be almost anything. It doesn't have to be, whereas sometimes people in our profession, whatever that external stimulus is or whatever, it may have to be, may have to be this certain piece of equipment. It has to be, you know, a TRX or it has to be a BOSU or, it, but, but almost anything could be a load. We could change the variables on almost anything. And I think that's a philosophy in itself when it comes to training is, okay, we can utilize almost anything to create a stimulus to create an effect for that. It seems you kind of, it seems like you kind of embrace that on some level, you know? I am because I, I, I think that ultimately, again, it is quite simple and subtle. It's just yes. because of commercialization, people package it into something that's yes. so crazy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh gosh, man. It's like, you know, all these gurus and they like to overcomplicate things. And, and yeah. there's some people who buy in because they think, wow, he really knows a lot. But I, I tell, I, I still think that the, the best teachers are the ones who can explain difficult concepts in simple terms, like you just did with, yeah. with the, you know, stress and adaptation. Because ultimately that's what it boils down to. It's what you it talk is. About all these different tools, all these different variables, all these different training methodologies, but that's all it comes down to. Why are you able to tolerate the load? and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. recover from it. And, uh, and, and so, you know, if we have more people like you in the fitness industry, I think yeah. less people will be lost because you know, yeah. people get lost in all these philosophies just because they, they go down this rabbit hole of over kind of complexity. Yeah. I mean, people have trained using so many different modalities throughout the ages, whether it was a log, it was a rock, it was a canister that was filled with sand. I mean, what does it really matter? Like, what's the load? You know, like, what's the yeah. variables, the length, the distance, the, the tempo? I mean, there's all these things. Like, I think a good trainer just can utilize almost anything 
but not be stuck to one thing for that. Just flow with it. Whatever the environment, you can look at the environment and see what can be used. You can be resourceful, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like these days, like I go to a gym sometimes for a workshop and they'll yeah. say, okay, what do you need? And I said, I don't need anything. Whatever you have, just yeah. as long as as long as the floor is clean in case we, we need to work <laughs> exactly. on the floor. <laughs> One time when I went, when I did a workshop in, in, in Shenzhen, you know, the, I, I forgot to say that we'll be on the floor sometimes. Yeah. And they didn't mop the floor and the floor was black. But anyways, yeah. yeah. So just to your point, <laughs> just to your point, I, I, I think you can just work with anything um, as long as you kind of understand how it, it boils down to the simple principle. You're yeah. absolutely right. When you talk about um, sometimes using the floor, I'm curious, I use the floor a lot with people and, and moving, that, that dynamic movement with it. What do you mean by that when using the floor? Yeah, like, uh, like you said, I mean, we want to be on all fours and yeah. we, we want to be crawling once in a while, you know, yes. cover those. And sometimes a good, good time to do our breathing practices on the floor just because we can be nice and relaxed. And, and of course, we'll, we'll look at their shoulder stability as well because the way yes. they push tells us a lot, uh, especially now in this hunchback posture. A lot of our, <laughs> yeah. our, our rhythm is off between our scaffolding and our shoulder. And so, yeah, basically just crawling. We look at uh, breathing and then the shoulder rhythm. You know, one of the things, I'm curious what you think about this. Uh, I talk to people and I present about this as well is that I feel like when we're children, we spend a lot of time close to the ground and we crawl on the ground, we slide on the ground, we move laterally, whole thing. But as we get taller and we come, become adults, like we try everything we can to not be on the ground or fall to the ground. And I never yeah. forget, I was in the airport one time and a gentleman fell on the ground when he was like running to his plane and he couldn't get up and I had to help him up. And I said, wow. this is a problem. If you can't get yourself up from the ground, there's a huge issue. But also I understand because we spend so much time not being close to the earth at all. So it's almost philosophical to me. It's like the earth plus the movement. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think all the things that we're doing, it's counterintuitive, unnatural. Yeah. I think it's so sad. I mean, with all the seamless, with all the technology, I mean, it's hard. I mean, we, we're not walking, first of all. I mean, that's kind of the, 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 one of the pillars of life back then. You know, we've yeah. always been walking. And then we've always been eating natural food, but now that's gone. And yeah. then we've always been moving. That that's also gone. And and we've always been social, but now we're gone because <laughs> of social media. Ironically, ironically, um, yeah, ironically. And and so I think a lot of things that we we do are, are counterintuitive. And and so the question is, how can we bring people back to the natural way of living without branding it as a natural way of living? Mm. I think that's that's kind of the way that I, I try to come at it because I don't want to be the guy who's out there. Hey, we should follow the natural order of living because <laughs> most people, you know, uh, you know, in reality, they'll be turned off by it. And, and yeah. so I think it, it's it's educating them on the effects and on the intricacies on on how actually spending so much time in front of a screen and actually stressing yourself out so much, uh, so much coffee intake, what that actually does to your mind, does your health, that helps them reverse um, the, the kind of insidious nature of the practices that we've been implementing lately. It kind of reminds me, maybe you, you remember this, when there was this kind of large movement to kind of eat like cave people ate is paleo thing is like and then you realize like that's not how they actually ate and stuff <laughs> like you know. yeah 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 it's all it's all uh it's all packaging and it's packaging yeah well i mean in the fitness i mean i remember uh, there, back then on youtube there was an ad called six pack shortcut and and i'm sure <laughs> it popped up to some people's if they watch youtube videos and and yeah. they were saying how you could drink a coke every single day eat snacks and still get a six pack in six weeks yeah. if you just follow their program and and of course, they have a jack guy on on, on, on <laughs> yeah. commercials. So, so and 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 all these things. I and ultimately, we we know. So, I, I actually, my undergraduate undergraduate degree was in business, and I still remember in business one hundred and one, the first class that I took in business school, they said that we have to know what a business is selling, and and ultimately, if you think about a lot of health and fitness companies, even a lot of supplement companies, they are selling 
hope. The mm. hope that you'll be healthier. The hope that you <laughs> won't need something to get off the chair. The hope that you'll be skinny in six weeks. And and this is inter- This is for all the listeners. You must understand that this is the driving force because the sooner the, the sooner you realize that something that you're being sold to is unrealistic, the sooner you will get yourself away from it because you want to buy products, you want to buy services, you want to be a part of a community that sells you realistic expectations because that's what you could achieve. Right? If it's just how you hope, then you're just going to waste your money. Mm, that was powerful. Seriously. I don't think I've ever heard it put that way. <laughs> like, oh. it, But then think about like the late night infomercial. Well, that was big when I was starting out. Late night infomercials on fitness, you know, and this cliff mentality, 60 days, 30 days, you could look like this, you know, and it just it's hoping that'll happen. Like, but there's a whole bunch of other factors in there, you know? Yeah. But the main thing is hope. I mean, I can say, Oh, I'll make you, I don't know. It's like all the, okay. So in Hong Kong, two weeks ago, someone got arrested because they're selling dating advice for a million dollars or something. Wow. And they're scamming people and, and, you know, you could date more girls. I mean, it doesn't (laughs) get more hopeful than that. Apparently. So, um, hope can hope is a powerful motivational force. (laughs) I like hope I get more dates and stuff. Hang out with people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really, I guess I never thought about it that way that a lot of the marketing is selling hope, you know, because people have this incredible insatiable desire to be like beautiful or what society deems as beautiful or to be fit, whatever that means to them, you know, and, and a lot of people, they'll at least They'll, they'll try maybe some version of like, I'll try something to do that, but without understanding the mechanics of it, of the, the reality behind it, the, you pull the curtain behind. It's not that it's not really what that, what the selling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And this extends out to other areas. I mean, obviously the financial mm-hmm. industry is all based on hope. And, and if you just kind of keep this in mind, I, I, I believe that you get scammed less frequently. which is the funny thing is in fitness like a lot of the fitness aspects of the past is like and right now is a lot of scamming there's a lot of scamming going on and preying on people's this idea that you could be better don't you want to be better don't you don't you want to feel better exactly right yeah yeah. yes every time yes yes of course i want to feel better don't you want it to be easy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't you of want course. It tomorrow, tomorrow, you know? Tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or no, today, today. Pay 20 more dollars. Pay 100 more dollars today. We'll yeah. Make it better. And um, it's, uh, it's sad, but it's, again, motivational because it's so hopeful. It is so hopeful. It reminds me of, I was watching a comedian. He was saying, like, it's like an Amazon Prime culture where it's like, I want everything now. I want prime. I want to order it, and I want it to be here in two hours. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to wait in lines. I don't want to wait for my products. Give it to me now. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I quoted this line in uh, Diamond Balance. I quoted. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. With Amazon Prime, when things now. I want it now. Actually, I want you to know that I want it before I want it. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 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 You know. So it's like. How do we fight? So, you know, kind of as we wrap up, I, I'm, in, I'm interested because the future of fitness, okay? How do we fight this tide of constant um, convenience? Technology is making our life so easy, so much easier. And we're having to, we're taking the, the activity out of living. How do we fight that? Well, certainly in the fitness industry, I, I know earlier almost we, we said that yoga has changed a little bit. And, yeah. and we said that people are doing a lot of fancy flow stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but in a way, I'm grateful for the fact that people are at least getting out there doing yoga and getting fancy, doing fancy yeah. flow stuff. Because if you do fancy flow stuff, you at least understand that elegant movements are pleasing to the eye. Mm. And, and that's that's a key to my training philosophy because yeah. – if you think about human movement, you know, we've been dancing for thousands of years. We've been practicing different types of movement. We've been climbing trees. We've been carrying stuff. And whenever we see an elegant movement, even in sports, you know, you look at LeBron James, yeah. Michael Jordan dunking. You look at uh, Roger Federer serving the tennis ball. You look at Tiger Woods. You, you, you can't help but to say, wow, you know, that's, that's an elegant yet powerful yeah. movement. 
And, and so the more we can get back to it, I think we'll understand and stay away from bodybuilding because we, we do not want to be rigid unless if we, we actually aesthetics is it's a goal, which is respectable. But right. I would say if we, if we just understand the intuitive search for elegance in our movement, I think mm. that will help us a long way. And then, and then the second is obviously I'm also thankful for the wellness movement that has uh, been popular. Uh, and, and at least people are recognizing that there's a need. Now, of course, I, I still think we're in the experimenta- uh, experimentation phase, uh, phase just because there's, it's, it's, just, it's just so much wellness information. And, and, <laughs> and it almost feels like it's a bit too much. It's like, okay, it does, I mean, everyone's it? saying, yeah. you, is everyone breaking down soon? I mean, everyone's so vulnerable. And, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying vulnerable is not good, but I'm just saying it's, it's a bit dramatic for me sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel the and, same uh, way. Yeah. 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 So, but again, at least it's, it's people are, are having that conversation and, and then now people are more willing to experiment with alternative health and medicine practices. And again, it's also experimentation because we, we need some time to figure out what's, what's actually right. So I, I do think we're heading towards a direction and somewhat of a correct direction. It's just, I, I hope that we, we won't like, let technology take over because the yeah. intention of, of whatever we have now is of great intention. I mean, we, we, we wanted to preserve food. That's why we, we make processed food so that we, it can stay around for longer for emergency. Yeah. Uh, we wanted technology so that we can learn more. We can drive the human society forward. We've done that. Um, uh, but I, I just hope that we don't take that too far because ultimately everything is about balance. <laughs> it's totally. Hey, 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 you like the way I ended that, huh? I- I like that. I like that. It's all about balance because it's like, you're right. It's like an experiment. It's like, it's an experiment and an experiment, you know, it's not always great, you know, but it's, it's heading in the right direction. Like I always think, how can there be so many life coaches? Like, yeah. yeah. How can that be possible? There's a lot of messy people. Everybody knows the secret to being, having a better life. Like it's like, it's a good yeah. direction, but I'm not sure that so many people are great life coaches, you know, like, yeah, there was just one life coach. I mean, that's just just last story before I, I I I take too much of your time. And so I I there was this life coach who was trying to sell me services, and and at the time I was still writing down your balance. And then every time we meet, he was like, "Why haven't you done the book yet? Why haven't you?" It's like as a, I think he's trying to get me to write the book, and he's trying to push me, and he's yeah. like, trying to get me to figure out. But I needed the time because I wanted to produce a quality book. And sometimes, if you want to produce a quality product depending on your personality, you know, I'm already quite a driven guy. I don't need external pressure. I yeah. just wanted things to fall in place. And, and so this, all, all I'm trying to say is other people don't really fully know your story. And, and, yeah. and I, I agree with you. I think a lot of people, I don't know how they could be a life coach. I don't get it. Figuring out, I don't get it. I don't I mean, get it. Who I, are you? Seriously. Who are you? No, no, I'm seriously. just like, seriously, yeah. how can everybody be a life coach or a health coach? Like, it's just like, like that's the wellness phase. It's like everybody wants to be well, but not everybody should be a coach. Like it's yeah. not for everybody. Not everybody is going to be a police officer or, but like, like for this podcast, for example, I just, super honesty here, man. I always get approached by life coaches, health coaches, and it's good and stuff, but it's like, it's so saturated. Like, I just wonder, there's a lot of messiness in the world. How can all these people be life coaches? I'm like, it just, yeah, it's just strange to me. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, uh, to be fair, I mean, now there's almost every single coach that every single coach that I can think of is out there. I mean, you've got all these yeah. funky coaches that you have. They're everywhere. And- <laughs> They're everywhere. They're literally and- everywhere, Andy. I'm like- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like wh- whatever topic you can think of, there's there's a coach for it. I know. <laughs> it's just strange. To, I'm sorry. It's just strange to me. <laughs> I'm a bit overwhelmed, to be honest with you. And it's it's like where where do I find my place, guys? It's and everyone seems like they're an expert in whatever subject matter. That's what that I'm they, saying. They're, <laughs> like they're they're on and and I mean certainly if you look at you like so I did some homework before our, our this recording and I was yeah. looking. I think you're now on almost 400 or or yeah 450 something at this point. Yeah, yeah 450 something. And and I was like. Okay, so you've in you've interviewed 450 subject matter experts, and and I was like, you know, every single hour that person has something, it, it has some expertise to share in the relevant area, and and yeah, that's a lot of topics that you've ventured into, man. Yes, yeah, I just like I'm just curious, and like one of the things I've learned over all this time, 
is like, how can there be this many coaches? Like, it's like, (laughs) if you just look at the, like the bell curve of society, there can't be this many people who are great at everything. It just doesn't work like that. It's like, it's like there's a dating coach and I still think dating coaches. Like, I don't know if you don't understand that either. I've talked to several dating coaches. I don't know. And then like, I don't know how so many people can have the key to everything. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, I, I just don't understand really. Yeah. So I don't know. That was a real big tangent, but uh, <laughs> it's just yeah, like, a real big tangent. Well, I don't know. You can be a podcast coach soon. Yeah. Just see like, yeah. Oh, because <laughs> I've done a lot. I should know everything about, I don't, I just do it. I like meeting people. And it doesn't mean I'm an expert about it. You know, just like, yeah. And, and I can tell you again, it just comes down to the why. And, and yeah, I, I read a book called start with why by Simon Sinek and, and it talked about how actually people you connect through emotions and, and we're yeah. emotional animals. And sometimes we kind of rationalize things. Yeah. And, but really we, we just want the connection. And just like this podcast, I mean, yeah. today, I think we did quite well. And that's because I we, think we so too, connected man. emotionally. Yes. And I would encourage everyone, you know, even if you're connecting via virtual platforms, just try to be authentic and vulnerable, not in the sense that, oh, I'm shattered, but in the sense <laughs> that you just, and he's a funny guy, by the way. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully I didn't have anyone. Uh, uh, <laughs> but just, just be who you are. And if you tell bad jokes like myself, then just embrace that. I mean, I have no problem cracking out a joke when, whenever I'm talking to 400 people. Because I find that, yes, some people will be offended, but more people will appreciate that. Just <laughs> and and, uh, and I, I, encourage, I encourage anyone to do so. And you Man. have a bright, brighter future and career. There you go. Brighter future and career. Everyone. Uh, Andy Chan. Andy, please tell everyone how they can get your book and uh, how they connect with you. Sure. Dynamic Balance is available everywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Hudson. I think it's even in Target. Well, it's on Target.com. I saw the other day. So wherever you can find, uh, please go check it out. On my social media, my Instagram is Andy, T-S-Z-C-H-I-U Andy. Uh, Tishu is my Chinese name. So you can find me there. Uh, If you have any questions comments you can feel free to reach out i also have a website chichu.com like i said you know whenever you have questions feedback i take them with an open heart i promise i won't argue because every single feedback is valuable and critical to my development so if you have anything to say to me feel free to reach out all right man thank you andy it's been enlightening i appreciate it man thank you so much for having me